2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: The following podcast contains dramatizations of actual events. Certain situations, dialogue, names, and locations may have been changed. Some scenes are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised.
3: It seemed everyone in Fremont County, Colorado, knew of Joel and Michael Stovall.
4: They were completely identical. Everybody just called them the Stovall twins.
3: But no one could have ever known just how twisted their unusual bond would become.
5: Most boys at that age are more interested in cars and girls. They were more interested in guns and violence.
3: Until one dark night, when these identical twins staged a bloody insurrection.
5: They're going to shoot
3: whoever gets in their way. It was an ambush, the whole thing.
6: When I told him, he's not
7: evidence, It's my husband.
8: When it comes to evil, two always packs twice the punch. He just looked crazed. He was laughing and shooting.
7: They were in this together, and they were going to see it through together. That's the bond of the twins.
3: Over 90 miles south of Denver lies Fremont County, Colorado.
8: Fremont County I consider is a kind of a rural county, very small communities such as Florence and Penrose. The western part of our county is very rugged terrain, mountainous.
5: We have the wet mountains and Pikes Peak range on the south and the north and the west. But
3: there's more to Fremont County than just natural beauty.
7: Canyon City is known as a prison town. There are eight state prisons in Canyon City. The prison is the main employer of
8: people. Well, uh, every prison has their infamous people who are incarcerated. We certainly have some, the shoe bomber terror, the Nichols, and the McVeighs, and the Gaudys, and and those.
3: And on a dark night in September of 2001, it's two identical homegrown criminals that will hold this entire sleepy mountain town captive with fear. The Fremont County Sheriff's Office receives a 911 call from the small town of Penrose.
8: There was a routine call for us—a a dog being killed in Penrose. And the owners of the dog phoned that in, filed a complaint. The caller claims that
3: her dog has been shot and killed by a man named Joel Stovall. Deputy Jason Schwartz responds to the call.
6: Jason was definitely a bodybuilder—very, very broad shoulders and very big arms. On the outside, he appeared very stoic, very, um, very quiet. And on the inside, he was a big teddy bear.
3: Deputy Schwartz departs for Penrose expecting an ordinary domestic dispute. But he has no idea how deadly it's going to get. Deputy Jason Schwartz arrives on the scene where he meets up with Deputy Toby Escabel. Together, the two men begin to piece together what had happened that evening.
7: That night, the Stovall family was gathered at their home in Penrose, and they were disturbed by a neighbor's dog who was barking. And it's my understanding that Joel Stovall reached over a fence and shot the dog till it was dead.
3: After gathering information from the dog's owner, Deputy Schwartz questions the accused shooter, Joel Stovall,
8: about the incident.
6: Joel had admitted that he had shot the dog, that the dog had attempted to attack him.
8: Jason Schwartz realized that the manner in which Joel had done that was very dangerous. You can't just shoot downtown in a residential or quasi-business area in a safe manner. And he had decided that he was going to take him into custody for reckless endangerment. Deputy Schwartz slaps
3: handcuffs on Joel and places him into the back of the police cruiser. It doesn't go over well with the gathering Stovall clan. That's
7: when chaos ensued. The family got very upset and the officers described it as a near riot
3: situation. And amidst the chaos, there is one family member who is much angrier than the others. Joel's identical twin brother, Michael.
6: Michael Stovolt had come over to the vehicle and had wanted to talk to his brother. And then Michael started yelling and being inappropriate and trying to resist. So that's when Toby arrested him and put him in cuffs.
8: And then it erupted even more. I mean, the family even got more upset. And so that's why Sergeant Esquivel said, get him in the car. Get him out of here. Just get him out of here. Michael Stovall
3: is placed into the police cruiser alongside his twin brother Joel.
6: At that point, technically, they're only supposed to have one offender in their vehicle.
7: However, because of the volatile situation, they placed Michael in the back of the patrol car with his brother.
3: Deputy Escabel remains behind to placate the Stovall clan.
6: And um, Jason drove away from the scene to try to de-escalate the situation
3: it would be the deadliest mistake of his life. Handcuffs would never be enough to hold the Stovall twins. Identical twins Joel and Michael Stovall were known throughout Fremont County, Colorado.
4: They were completely identical. They had like little baby faces and short dark hair. They looked like normal everyday kids. Everybody just called them the Stovall twins. That's how it always was.
3: Life in the Stovall family was tough, especially for the boy's father, Robert.
9: He didn't have any really good skills or anything. He was taking jobs that basically young high school kids would take for the summer. So that speaks for itself there.
3: Robert was part of a generation of men who returned from the jungles of Vietnam to a world much different than the one they had left behind. It was an unpopular
10: war. Most of the soldiers who fought in Vietnam didn't feel like they were accepted when they came back. And especially if they were exposed to a lot of combat experiences, they really felt their world was so different that nobody else could understand their experience.
9: When he talked about Vietnam, shooting people and this and that, it was really combative. He was not a happy man at all.
4: I just remember him being intimidating. I don't know why. It's just an aura about him. Just big, tough guy, I guess.
9: It was like he would look you in the eye, and he was staring at the back of your head. His eyes were like a black glaze, like uh, the lights are on, but nobody's home.
3: Since childhood, the Stovall twins had been taught by their father to always be prepared, especially when it came to high-powered weaponry.
9: He was not a, like a hunting, fishing guy. He was more like a combat guy, assault weapons-type person. He instilled that in his children. In the Stovall family,
3: the right to bear arms was sacred as was mistrust of the government.
10: Weapons represent power and control. Oftentimes, Vietnam War vets would teach their children the world is a hostile place. Don't let other people take advantage of you. Arm yourself, always be prepared. Bad things can happen at any time.
3: Though he never found much success in business and the family struggled financially, Robert did have one exceptional skill.
6: Their father, works for a locksmith in Florence and made these keys that were plastic called freedom keys and used to sell them on the internet and um, later on in the uh, Soldier of Fortune magazine. And the goal was to allow people to have handcuff keys that weren't detected by metal detectors.
3: It was a skill Robert Stovall made sure to pass down to his twin sons.
10: It's very metaphoric in a way in that you look at it as breaking free from bonds or chains that the government or the police put on you. At some point in time, we're going to need this. We're going to need to break free from the bonds those other people are going to put on us. And
3: these so-called freedom keys would one day be the catalyst for the worst night of terror to ever hit Fremont County, Colorado. Deputy Jason Schwartz speeds towards the Fremont County Sheriff's Office. Joel and Michael Stovall are handcuffed side by side in the back of the cruiser.
6: He had been going southbound on Highway 115, and when he was exiting to go onto Highway 50 going west, something happened.
7: He noticed in his review mirror that Michael Stovall had a handcuff key and was unhandcuffing his handcuffs.
3: Somehow, Michael Stovall has smuggled a plastic freedom key into the cruiser. And there's more. There's belief that he was
7: handcuffed without being searched, and Michael Stovall had two guns.
3: And within moments, Michael Stovall moves. He pulls out a 9-millimeter
7: handgun and fired a number of times.
3: The cruiser careens off of Highway 115, goes down an embankment, and crosses Highway 50 before coming to a stop at the side of the road. Deputy Schwartz is severely wounded. But the Stovall twins emerge from the crash
8: unharmed. They were able to get out of the car. They did pull him from the car and drag him in front of his squad car.
3: Michael Stovall hands his twin brother, Joel, the second handgun.
8: And then they just proceeded to fill him full of gunfire. Yeah, he, he wasn't recognizable. I mean, I you know, it was just brutal.
6: We get to the hospital and they brought me into the room, and his face was covered. And um, they wouldn't let me touch him, because they told me he was evidence. <laughs> and I told him, he's not evidence, that's my husband. I just remember realizing that my whole life was, that I had planned out, was, was not to be. And everything that I had hoped for was gone.
3: It's a horrific murder. And now the Stovall twins are armed deadly and on the loose. Anything could happen and the twins are prepared.
7: They've decided that the world is out to get them and they're going to shoot whoever gets in their way.
3: A much larger plan has already begun and more officers will find themselves in the line of fire before the night is through. They're armed
7: to the teeth. They have camouflage vests, ballistic helmets.
6: Who stockpiles that kind of ammunition, that kind of weapon? Why would you do that? Unless your intent was to go on a killing spree.
0: Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
3: Identical twins Michael and Joel Stovall have murdered Deputy Jason Schwartz in cold blood. The vehicle that appears to be in a ditch is
8: a law enforcement unit of some type. got an officer, The images were just, you know, unbelievable. They're just unbelievable.
3: As law enforcement coordinates a massive response, they could never have known that the twins had a much bigger plan in mind, a plan that may have been hatched during the twins' childhood. As they became teenagers, the Stovall twins grew even closer to their father and especially to each other.
4: They were really close, so close that they could finish each other's sentences probably read each other's thoughts, for that matter.
3: But no twins are ever completely the same.
4: Michael was the bigger brother, and Joel was the littler brother. Michael was more in charge and more dominant of the twins. And it seemed like maybe Joel was a little more docile, I guess.
3: The Stovall twins stood together, distinctly outside of the mainstream.
5: It wouldn't be uncommon to see them in camouflage or in some type of military uniform or clothing. I think most boys at that age are more interested in cars and girls. And these guys, they were more interested in fantasies, guns and violence, mercenary-type activity uh, following the Vietnamese War or the war in the Middle East. Those type of things were fantasies that I think these young men wanted to portray, wanted to live out.
3: The twins spent their days in the Colorado wilderness using the weapons their father had bought them.
10: If you're a child who's surrounded by weapons and are thinking about the world as a hostile place, then your weapons become your friends.
5: They like to play risky games, and one of those was shooting arrows at each other and using trash can lids as a shield.
3: And often, these games would tread the thin line
5: between fantasy and reality. In August of 1991... They came to school, and Joel had an arrow sticking in his shoulder. It was just below the the collarbone, and, of course, we called the medics, and the police were notified, and uh, it gave us the first insight in terms of the character of these young men. For many, this incident on the first day of high school
3: crystallized just how strange the Stovall twins were and how tenuous their grasp on reality and consequence.
5: That adrenaline uh, shot you get when you're trying to block an arrow with a trash can lid, that's excitement. And these two loved that kind of excitement. Being on the edge, taking risks, I believe that's where they started getting away from reality.
10: Playing war means something different to them. It's real-life rehearsal
3: for what they believe eventually will happen. And the tip of the arrow was just the tip of the iceberg when it came to blurring reality with violent fantasy. The Stovall twins have been on foot for hours and so far have gone undetected by the Fremont County Sheriff's Department.
8: We believe that they made their way directly to Florence, which would be five, six miles, depending on how they went. Their destination, a trailer owned by Michael Stovall. Inside is everything they need for the night ahead. They had guns and body armor and ammo and all those things in this trailer.
7: They're armed to the teeth. They have camouflage vests,
3: ballistic helmets. Tonight would be, as it had always been, the Stovalls against the world.
6: Who stockpiles that kind of ammunition, that kind of weapon, ready to go at a moment's notice why would you do that unless your intent was to go on a killing spree
3: not far from the stovall's trailer florence police officers toby bethel and eric baker are in the thick of the growing manhunt i knew that a sheriff's deputy had been shot and um
11: it was my job to go out and try to find the guys who did it we drove down to a trailer park where they had been leasing a trailer.
3: The officers carefully think through their plan of action.
11: We knew that they were armed and pretty much going to take out any law enforcement officer around them. I was going to drive into the trailer park and go and find the exact space number just in case. If they were there, then we were just going to back out, call the
3: SWAT team in, and have them go and do their job. That was the plan. But when it comes to the Stovall twins, nothing ever goes to plan. I drove in, I found the space number. I told my partner, I said, there it is, let's get out of here. But it's too late.
8: I just start hearing two officers in Florence say, they're firing on us, they're firing on us. And the evil already unleashed
3: on this dark night will double in size and scale. You could hear them over there laughing and saying, this one's down, he's dead, let's go get another one. After murdering a sheriff's deputy, identical twins Joel and Michael Stovall are on the run from the law. They've decided that the
7: world is out to get them and they're going to shoot whoever gets in their way.
3: After returning to Michael Stovall's trailer, the twins arm themselves from head to toe and are ready to declare war. But first, they need transportation.
7: At this point, it's 10 o'clock at night. It's very dark and the brothers are armed to the teeth. They have camouflage vests, ballistic helmets, and they need a way to get out of
3: Florence. Just a few spaces down from their trailer, an
8: unsuspecting neighbor stumbles directly into their line of sight. The neighbor, he happens to just come pulling up into his driveway, which is next door. And that's the first person they run into. They demanded his keys, pointed guns
7: at him, and he gave up his pickup truck.
8: The Stovall twins
3: begin to load up the truck with weapons and ammunition when suddenly a police
8: cruiser appears just down the road. They're stealing the truck. They're in the process of doing that when Toby and Eric Baker come pulling up. I looked at and I saw that red pickup truck, and I saw some shadows moving.
7: Joel is not visible to Toby. Toby does not see him.
3: And just like his brother before him, Joel Stovall opens fire. I heard pop, 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 pop. It sounded like
11: firecrackers going off.
3: And I was like, oh, crap. I knew that I had been shot. Officer Bethel slams on the gas as Joel Stovall chases after the police cruiser and continues to fire his assault weapon. I knew if I'd have stopped, we were
11: dead. I drove another 50 yards, maybe, and then I ran into a big pile of wood and hit a tree. And that's, that's where I stopped. I finally ended up passing out, half of my body out of the car and half of it in. It's a
3: shocking display of unprovoked violence.
11: And it was an ambush, the whole thing. They were definitely just there to see how many of
3: us they could kill. But the twins aren't done yet.
11: They drove up to where we were and they just sat there with the windows down. My partner had
3: got out of the patrol car. Outmanned and outgunned, Eric Baker can only hide from the walls. And he could hear them over there laughing and saying, ah,
11: we got another one, uh, this one's down, he's dead. So thank goodness I laid out and I passed out. If they would have seen him, or saw me moving around, I think they would have went ahead and finished both of us off. Cause I mean, that's what they were there
3: to do. Assuming they've murdered yet another officer, the Stovall twins speed off into the night. Shooting an officer is one thing, but the sheer thrill the twins took in the violence is beyond disturbing. And thrill-seeking is nothing new for the Stovall twins. By their sophomore year, the Stovall twins were running with a disenfranchised crowd.
4: In Florence, if uh, your parents didn't care too much about you, you're just wandering up and down the street all day long. And and they were just along with us, with all the other kids, because all of us came from dysfunctional families.
3: And their thrill-seeking continued to cross the line between fantasy and reality.
5: Here's the situation. They were in a music class. Uh, On that particular day, we had a substitute teacher in the class. And Michael and Joel Stovall got into the attic and were hiding from the instructor. They were reading magazines with guns and, and ammunition and knives and swords and that type of thing.
3: Perhaps taking a cue from these violent magazines, the Stovall twins decided to create
5: some action
3: of their own.
5: They lit the the magazines on fire and they put them down an air vent, a big metal duct that was in the attic that ran down into two classrooms down below them. It did set off the alarm and we did evacuate the school. The twins were quickly caught and sent to the principal. I separated them so I could try to speak with one and then the other. I think they were trying to get attention. Uh, I think they were trying to provoke some excitement. They liked that kind of notoriety. I think they they did like that. Even then, the twins shared a surprising level of consistency and calculation. They were articulate. They were very detail-oriented. They were very sequential and very practiced. Their stories were exactly the same. I don't think things happen spontaneously and I think they contrived things. I think they were intentional in what they did and they were practiced and they were prepared to respond in in certain ways.
3: Before the twins could be properly expelled, their
5: father Robert
3: removed them from school.
5: He probably bought into most of the excuses they gave and supported them and could even manufacture excuses on his own as to why they might do that. The Stovall twins would be homeschooled for the remainder of high school. It seemed like Mr. Stovall was always kind of in line with them. He kind of understood where they are coming from. But I really felt like he was part of the duel.
10: Oftentimes when there's a lot of paranoia within a family, it's us versus them. We're the in-group and they're the out-group, and that out-group is threatening to us. We'll protect ourselves against the bad guys by learning more how to be connected with
3: each other.
9: Bye.
3: Toby Bethel is severely wounded and
11: clinging to life. I was hit with an AK-47, right square in the middle of my back. And there was two bullets that were lodged in my kidney.
3: He's airlifted to the hospital.
11: I remember bits and pieces of my helicopter ride to Denver. And I remember a lady, that must have been the nurse, screaming at me, hang in there, Toby, we're almost there. Hold on, hold on. And that's all I remember.
3: As Toby Bethel fights for his life, The twins head west down Highway 50. As the police scanner crackles with the Stovall's movements, more officers swing into action.
7: They are driving through Canyon City, and the way the officers describe it was, one brother was driving,
8: another brother was in the bed of the pickup truck. I hear this unfolding, and left town, westbound, hoping to intercept them.
3: A deadly competition appears to be unfolding.
8: Michael was in the back, he had the assault weapon.
11: Something had to been going on. They had to have been playing off each other, feeding off of each other's
3: feelings and emotions. And as the twins speed west along Highway 50, this night of terror is just getting started. <laughs> and it may already be too late for their next target.
7: They stopped their vehicle.
3: He stopped behind them.
11: And he didn't know at that time that one of them was in the back of the truck. That's when Michael got up and started shooting at him.
3: Stovall twins are on the run, armed to the teeth and ready to kill. After they left from the location
11: where I was shot, they took off, they hit Third Street, and they started heading west out of
3: town. And here on Third Street lies the next target for Joel and Michael Stovall, Florence Police Chief Mike Engel.
7: Chief Engel, upon hearing what had happened with Toby, took up the pursuit. He got behind them on West 3rd Street somewhere. So he gets up on them like any officer would do. They stopped their vehicle. He stopped behind them. He was trying to radio in to let them know their location.
11: And he didn't know at that time that
3: one of them was in the back of the truck. What the chief can't see is Michael Stovall's AK-47 trained directly on him. That's when
11: Michael got up and started shooting him right
7: at him, right at his head. They fired at him, and he leaned to the side to avoid being shot.
11: Bullet went straight through the windshield,
3: and it missed him. Thank God. Michael Stovall fires two more rounds into the car before his brother Joel speeds away. Aside from a small gash on his arm, Chief Engel is unharmed.
8: Then they headed west on Highway 50. They shot at the territorial prison towers as they went by. They were just shooting. He had lots of ammo, and he just was unloading it. Chief Engel is the third law enforcement officer the twins have opened fire
3: upon. And he won't be the last. After being removed
5: from high school, the twins were down-and-out and and angry. I think a chip on their shoulder is a good way to say it. It was kind of an anti-establishment attitude. They liked that conflict between where they were and where the establishment was. They both enrolled at the police
3: academy, but struggled with authority.
6: They were very aggressive and really focused on the right to bear arms and always arguing that with one of the instructors. They failed out of the academy.
3: And just like their father, rumors of anti-government paranoia swirled around the twins for the next few years.
10: It's the hallmark of paranoia is to take some small, insignificant event and make that kind of a confirmation of all the things you believe. The paranoia builds, the rage builds, the thought that somehow I'm being treated unfairly builds.
5: I had heard rumors that they had actually set up sniper points around the community. I am really not surprised that that could have been a part of their infatuation with that type of lifestyle.
9: You are what you're taught, you know? I mean, the apple didn't fall very far from the tree.
3: And in the weeks before their shooting spree, hate for the U.S. government and authority in general was in the air. It was, after all, September of
5: 2001. They would have been intrigued by 9-11. We looked toward the victims, and our sympathies and our feelings were toward the victims. My suspicion, is that Joel and Michael Stovall would have been thinking more about the perpetrators. And I think Joel and Michael would have been excited about the international attention that was placed upon 9-11, and I think they would have seen that as something they might like to feel and experience.
3: It's been over four hours since the Stovall twins first opened fire, and now they are speeding along the open road and into the mountains west of Fremont County. As the altitude rises, more officers join the chase, and the Stovals continue to up the ante.
8: What they would do is they'd pull around a corner because there's sharp curves when you enter that section of Highway 50, and they stop in the middle of the road, and when we came around the corner, they just open fire. How do you chase that without really putting yourself at a lot of risk?
3: It isn't long before Sheriff James Biker is at the head of the pursuit.
8: I finally caught up to him and you could see the muzzle flash going off. When I looked at him, man, he just looked crazed. You know, he was laughing and shooting and it was just random out of control unloading ammo.
3: As the chase approaches the small mountain town of Salida, there
8: is no end in sight. Did I think I was gonna get shot? Yeah. We were scared to death. We didn't have the firepower. But what police officers do have is the ability
3: to communicate with officers further up the road. And law enforcement will soon spring its first trap. The town of Salida in Chafee County presents an opportunity for the Stovall twins to escape.
7: You get to Salida and then you can go over Monarch Pass or you can go over Poncha Pass or you can go... Toward Buena Vista, it would tend to be a place where it could divide the people that are following you if they're not right behind you. They don't know exactly which route you've taken.
3: Police know they must move quickly.
7: The officers radioed the direction of travel and warned Chafee County Sheriff's Office that these brothers were heading their way. And so Chavy County parked across the highway, blocking all lanes, so they couldn't proceed any further. All units 101, be aware that if they are stopped at that roadblock, they may turn and
3: come back at us. Be aware. When the Stovall twins reach the roadblock, their pickup comes to a screeching halt.
7: When the Stovall brothers got to the roadblock, there was some shooting, exchange of gunfire.
8: They recognized that they weren't going to be able to go on with the vehicle, and then they did turn back and come back eastbound towards us. Though outgunned, officers used the mountainous terrain to their advantage. It had come to a point on Highway 50 where there were no more turnoffs. It is nothing but river and steep canyon wall. There was no way for them to go off Highway 50. And they can now set the trap of their own. We had them pinched in in this canyon that they had no place to go. I decided to stop and set up another roadblock. We put my vehicle in the middle of the road, we took positions of cover, and were prepared for them to come back upon us. And they never showed. Sensing they had finally
3: been trapped, the Stovalls abandon their truck and flee on foot. They quickly devise another plan to continue their killing spree.
8: They left the truck on the side of the road. They gathered more ammo. They climbed up on the side of the hill off the road about 30 or 40 yards under a cedar tree and waited for law enforcement to converge on them.
3: The Stovall twins have an unobstructed line of fire and the ability to slip away into the night. In this deadly game of cat and mouse, there can only be one winner.
8: They were going to keep going,
3: shooting, shooting it out. Will law enforcement triumph, or will the Stovall twins go out in a blaze of gunfire? They were in
7: this together, and they were going to see it through together. That's the bond of the twins.
3: After a high-octane, high-altitude chase west through the Colorado Rockies, the Stovall twins have finally been stopped by a police roadblock.
7: Once the brothers realized they couldn't go any further, they abandoned their stolen pickup truck and fled on foot.
3: The heavily armed twins assume sniper positions in the woods. They will shoot any officer who approaches their abandoned pickup. It's been over an hour and not a single officer has approached the vehicle.
8: I decided not to to advance further because I think we most certainly would have been shot to pieces. I knew that they weren't going anywhere in the truck and I knew that we needed more weaponry. As the Stovall twins lie in wait, mere yards from their truck, Sheriff Biker holds his ground. So. We're waiting, we're waiting, and they're not coming. They're not here. It was just a stalemate at that time.
3: As the long night wears on, the Stovall twins suddenly vanish into the vast wilderness.
7: When they headed into the hills, I don't think they had a plan, but perhaps they thought that they could find a remote residence and steal another vehicle and continue
3: fleeing. The twins could be anywhere and they could do anything. Fremont County goes into lockdown. After a long night of horror, the sun finally rises and a massive manhunt gets underway.
8: We utilize Department of Corrections search teams, other law enforcement and dogs, air searches, all kinds of things.
3: An entire day passes with no sign of the Stovall twins. And as night falls on September 29th, officers keep watch on Route 50 as the search continues. It's been more than 24 hours since the Stovall twins began their shooting spree. Officers stand guard at the abandoned pickup truck. They know the suspects are heavily armed, highly dangerous, and so far, unseen.
7: There were two state parks rangers, and they were brainstorming that if these brothers are gonna head out of the hills, back to the highway, they're gonna come down this dry stream bed.
3: The rangers stake out positions and wait.
8: And sure enough, he goes, I couldn't see him. It was pitch dark, but I could hear them whispering and talking. And He did a very wise thing. He challenged them.
11: Stop right there. I see you.
3: Hands up.
8: I just started yelling to put their, their hands up to drop their weapons and stuff. Drop your stuff. Through verbal commands, he was able to get them to lay
7: down their weapons and come out with their hands up. And they were arrested without down.
8: incident. Down on your knees. And they surrendered to him because he challenged them. He just did something very tactical that probably saved him and and other people's lives, in my opinion. After 48 hours of horror, the Stovall twins
3: are finally in custody.
8: I remember feeling the relief, a flood of emotions. And I was just like, you know, thank God, thank God.
3: All told, in less than 24 hours, the Stovall twins killed one police officer, wounded two others, and opened fire on 17 more.
6: There was no trial. They decided behind closed doors that they were going to plea for life without possibility of parole.
7: That hearing was very tense. I saw law enforcement officers in tears these are big, strong, burly men, and
3: they were crying. Some of them were so traumatized. Both twins plead guilty to one count of first-degree murder, one count of aggravated robbery, and 19 counts of attempted first-degree murder. And now, Fremont County must come to terms with the aftermath of the Stovall twins' night of violence. It's
11: pretty rough when someone says you're going to live in a wheelchair the rest of your life. and. This is the easy part. The wheelchair is the easy part. I have a lot of other medical issues that I deal with. Since September 28, 2001, I have asked myself every single day that I open my eyes, Why? Such an act.
3: For what? I'll never understand it. Every year, the Florence Police Department and the Fremont County Sheriff's Office gather at the intersection of Highway 115 and Route 50 West.
6: Every year on his anniversary of his death, we celebrated his life by meeting out where he was actually killed. And at the moment when he was killed, the dispatchers would do a moment of radio silence. This last September, was the 10th year anniversary of his death. And to focus on the positives of him and to focus on not just his death, but on his life, we decided that it would be the last year.
3: And the survivors are left to wonder how twin brothers could go so horribly wrong.
9: When I saw all these things that happened, my first thought that went through my mind was, wow, I know where they got it, you know, their father, had them ready for anything that happened. He prepared them to do and react exactly the way they did on that day. And he trained them very well.
5: I do believe that they enabled each other. I think they drew support and strength from each other. I think it was planned. I think it was contrived. And I think it played out, in some cases, the way they wanted it to.
8: They were proud of what they had done. And, and who does that? That's evil people. Just evil.